morning. Welcome to Salem Fields. Let's stand and worship together this morning.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful expression of worship. We thank you for who you are in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you guide us through these moments this morning and the words that are spoken. May it really touch our hearts and we just really experience uh, the greatness of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Uh, I've been asked to give an announcement this morning. Um, we are developing a drama team here at Salem Fields, and um, just want to ask if, if anyone is feeling that God is leading them into this, uh, this ministry of drama, um, I ask that you see me at the, uh, in the foyer at the end of the service. There's a, you know, right next to the missions table. We'll be you know, there waiting to hear and see what you have to offer if God is leading you in that direction. Thank you. So when I finish his announcements, I want a standing ovation. 
<laughs> hey, good morning. We're, we're glad you're here. Some of you have drama everywhere you go, so sign up and, and use it for Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, we welcome you here today. If you're a guest, we're really glad that you're here. And uh, if you're a guest, we have a first-time guest little table out there with a little gift on it. We'd love to uh, share that gift with you. And so if you'll stop by right after church and uh, after the service and receive that, that would be awesome. Fill out your connection cards and your program. And uh, we'd like to receive that for many of you as can. If you just say, well, I don't want to fill it out on paper, well, you go to your app and fill it out. So you can use your app for a lot of things. How many of you have downloaded your app? Still got a lot of you to go yet, okay? So... We're going to take time right now until everyone here gets their app uh, downloaded. Uh, anyway, I want to let you know uh, also that James and Charity are thankful for the wonderful love offering you gave them last week, $13,100. So that's awesome. Yeah, and they are, I mean, they were overwhelmed by that and your generosity. As I said last week, you're a generous church, and uh, so we're so thankful that you shared with them and that kind of offering and um, it meant a lot to them, and it meant a lot to us. Uh, so also, um, we have uh, going to take our offering in just a few moments. And if you uh, know the drill, if you go regularly, if not, if you're a guest today, you can give by cash or check, make the check to Salem Fields, or you can go out to the foyer. There's a debit card, credit card machine. You can give on your app, or you can give online if you're watching online and worshiping with us online. And we'll receive that at the next uh, song. Our membership class is going on right now. If you're not a member and you'd like to learn more about Salem Fields, just get up and go to the membership class. It's happening right now. Rich is teaching that. Uh, leadership board elections. If you're an active member of Salem Fields Community Church, our leadership board, we elect a new board or some new board members every year. Uh, and April is the end of our church year, and so we elect a new board. And there's a table out there that we need your help if you would go out and at the end of the service and help us with that process of selecting our new board members. We believe that God uses elections uh, in the church to uh, find the leaders that he wants to help lead the church. We have upcoming mission trips to Guatemala and uh, Ecuador uh, that you can sign up for today. It's out at the table as you leave today. It's sitting right in the middle of the foyer so you can't miss that. Or you can go on the website or go on the app and sign up there as well. And uh, so we'd love for you to do that. If you've never been on a mission trip, you're really missing out on something special, something that could change your life and also minister to those, uh, those that we go to minister to. But it's more life-changing for you. And so we'd love to send two good uh, teams to uh, Ecuador or Guatemala. Our celebration service is next weekend, and uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. It's one of the most special things that we do at Salem Fields when we come together to celebrate all that God has done in our church, and he's done a lot of things over the last three or four months, and uh, so every time there's, uh, are y'all listening to me, or y'all just having a little conversation yourself? <laughs> just forget it, okay? <laughs> anyway, bat <laughs> oh yeah, go back, go back so they can have an excuse for talking. Anyway, <laughs> if you're welcome. Uh, so what was the talk? Oh, he's talking about celebration service. If you'd like to be baptized, if you've never been baptized or you were baptized as a child, uh, sign up on the app or connection card. We'd love for you to be a part of our celebration service. Or if you have a child that's never been dedicated to the Lord, uh, or if you have, if neither of those interest you, our praise and our worship and the testimonies that we share and just the celebration 
is a great time to come and be a part of that, just to learn more about Salem Fields. I think, like I told our board, if you don't come to the celebration service, you really do miss uh, the real deal about what happens here in our worship services and because uh, we share all those things. So try to make that out next week at 6 o'clock, and uh, we appreciate you guys being here.
Do you guys get that little bumper there? It's a mirage in the desert, right? When you're in the desert, have you been in the desert before? I have, I was in the Mojave Desert. And you actually do see something that looks like water. It's amazing, but don't be fooled. It's not water, it's just more sand, right? So that's what this, this series is all about. Well, in our culture today, there are lots and lots of voices that are vying for your attention. Everything is trying to get your attention so that you will buy into whatever they say. You know, we've got social media, we've got news outlets, we've got TV shows that promote a particular value system, we've got movies, we've even got preachers that are saying to you, listen to me and do what I say, buy into what I say. And the reason that we have all these voices uh, is because everybody wants you to buy into what they're saying. Now, we say we live in an ADD culture. People will say, well, I'm just ADD. Children get diagnosed with ADD. You know why that is? Because your attention goes there, and then it goes there, and then it goes there. Have you ever uh, gone on your device, and you were headed to one thing, and before you knew it, you were down a trail of something else, and you forgot about what you even began to do? Well... It's not that we're getting diagnosed. Our culture is doing that to us on purpose because they want your attention because if they can get your attention, then they've got you. They've got your mind and they've got your heart. And we have to be careful about that. So this series, Don't Be Fooled, is just us saying to you, we're challenging you to just stop. And, and we're cautioning you to, to not be fooled. That sometimes we need to stop and we need to put some thought and some consideration into what actually is going on here. So this uh, series, Don't Be Fooled, is to encourage you to carefully choose where you place your trust. What you look at and just believe as truth. Now, I found the most incredible scripture, and I've been in it this week and studying it this week, and I always love to just take the scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to just work in me and reveal his truth to me. And here's the scripture. It's in 2 Timothy, and it says, there's going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. Now, that word blithely just stuck out to me. So when I, there's a word that I wonder what it says, I want the accurate definition, so I go to Miriam or I go to Oxford and I look up the definition, and here's the definition of blithely. It is lacking due thought or consideration. So that means that if we don't put some thought and consideration into some of these issues that we've been bringing on the weekends, if we don't put some thought and some consideration into it, that means that we're going to end up following some misguided ideas. And what that means is that we are believing some things that really aren't true, or we're not believing things that are true. And how do we know? How do we know what's happening in that? Now, the first weekend, we, it was Easter, and we talked about the resurrection. 
we said, you know, it's really important for you to know what you believe about the resurrection because some people say, I just don't believe it, and other people say, I do believe it. And if you do believe it, it's really important for you to give reasons why you believe it. The second week, Buddy talked to us about Jesus is coming back again. Now, that's what the Bible says, and some people say, I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, he was saying, don't be fooled. It is going to happen. And uh, you get to choose which one you're going to believe. Now, this week, we're going to tackle the wildly controversial subject of sexuality. Now, you won't hear this in a lot of churches, but here at Salem Fields, we believe that that's as much a God-given gift, and it's relevant to your children, it's relevant to you, it's relevant to, uh, to, to life. And we have to give an answer for what we believe because we all believe something about it. Now, in the scripture, it, it just popped out at me that there are some answers in the scripture. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, you may say, well, sexuality, I don't know uh, if really how I feel about that. That's what this is all about is to say we have, if somebody came to you and said, well, now, how do you feel about gender issues? Or how do you feel about affairs? Or what are your thoughts on um, same-sex attraction? Are you able to know exactly what you believe, which teacher you're following, what you stand on, because we need to give an answer for how we're living our life. And so what this series is all about is giving you good information for you to make those kinds of decisions. And would you be able to talk about those issues? Would you be able to talk about sex outside of marriage? Would you be able to talk to someone about that without being judgmental? Now, that's, uh, that's a tall order right there. So that's what this series is designed to do, to caution you, don't be fooled. You see, in our culture today, we can't even believe what we see anymore. Just this week, as I was studying this, I always watch my CBS morning news, and then I, you know, I go to different news outlets because I don't accept anything hardly anyone says anymore. Uh, but, and and this, this story was on just this week. Watch this. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time. They could have me say things like, I don't know, Killmonger was right, or Ben Carson is in the sunken place. Now, you see, I would never say these things, but someone else would. Someone like Jordan Peele. This is a dangerous time. Moving forward, we need to be more vigilant with what we trust from the internet. That is, that is creepy, and that, that video shows Oscar-winning filmmaker Jordan Peele putting words in the mouth of former President Obama. It's part of a new public service ad campaign to warn Americans about the growing threat posed by digital misinformation. Carter Evans shows us how the U.S. government is trying to respond to this new technology. It's really easy to do these kinds of things, uh, to manipulate images and video. Dave Dorman is project manager at DARPA. It's the secret defense department agency trying to keep the country a step ahead of cyber threats. Is the ability to manipulate video a threat to national security? I think absolutely. I think that's a very important uh, national security it, concern. It can cause unrest. It can cause riots. Other nation states uh, could even act on some of this stuff. 
At DARPA, Dorman put us in a conference room and confiscated our phones for security. We then took a look at the software he's developing to identify the new generation of fake news. It's fairly hard to tell what was manipulated in this particular image. And if I go to the next slide here, it's going to have a transition where it's showing you the process. The bright red means the car is not really there. So let me go on to something that's a little more complex here. When in the course of human events... The blue line here um, is the audio of the first speaker, and then it detects that there was a second speaker. Which have connected them with another. And zoom among the powers of the Earth. So it's detecting the changes there. They're, it's detecting the changes. My vision is to have a program that every image every video posted to a social media site. Go through this process. For CBS This Morning, Carter Evans, Los Angeles. It's amazing what people will do. It is, it's creepy, but that was on just this week. And it's amazing what people will do to try to find the truth. Now, the richest commodity in our life, the foundation of knowing what to trust and what to believe is truth. But how do we know what the truth is? How do we know that we're not buying into lies because whatever we trust and whatever we believe is the direction that our life will go? And uh, nothing could have set this message up better than Tuesday evening we were with the students. They had Nigerian night and uh, they did a dance and had Nigerian food. And James and Charity spoke. And James spoke on making good choices. And he said something that just really stuck with me. And I said, James, I'm going to quote you on that. He was talking about making good choices. And what that means is we need the truth. And we need to be guided into the truth. And he said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That was a scripture that he used. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so we need to be, this is what James said. He said, we needed to, need to be loaded up with good information. We need to have good information in order to be guided into the truth and to know what to trust and believe. This is relevant for every single person of us here. But where are you getting your information on sexuality? Where are you getting it? Are you getting it from other people? People will go to some people and they'll say, well, now, what do you think about this? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Or, uh, or are you getting it from the media? Are you listening? Or are you watching pop culture and saying, yeah, that's pretty popular, and so, or is that even happening subconsciously and you're buying into something that you don't even realize you may be accepting as true? There are so many ideas. Do you listen to your feelings? Some people say, well, it's just, it's just my gut feeling, and that's how I kind of make my decisions. I actually heard J-Lo say that. The other, she's in Vegas, and she said, you know, I just, I've learned to trust my gut feelings. Well, that's what she follows. And so where do you get your information, and how do you know how to speak and what you believe and what you trust when it comes to the issue of human sexuality. Well, culture, I looked that up, and it says it's the act of developing the intellectual and moral faculties, especially by education. Like it or not, the environments that we're in are teaching us. 
Some things we don't even question. We just absorb. Do you even know what you're believing that may not be true at all? Well, that's why this scripture says we don't want to go through life blithely accepting misguided issues. And that's why we're doing this series. Every day we are impacted by the people and the environments that we're in. And there's a certain value promoted. And I got to tell you, unless you're in the word every day, the greatest influence on your life is your environment, other people, media, and all the things that are being put in without you even realizing it. We are constantly making decisions. Now, we can't accurately measure this, but it's said that an average adult will make 35,000 conscious decisions a day. Think about it. How many decisions did you already make this morning? You decided what time to get up. You decided when you were going to do all of your personal care things. You decided what you were going to wear. You probably didn't even think much about that because it's just something that you do on a regular basis. But by now, we've already made a couple of thousand of our of our decisions. Last night, Buddy and I were leaving a restaurant, and I turned right. I decided to go Route 1 instead of 95. He said, how'd you make that decision? And now I would do that subconsciously, but I gave him a reason why I was going Route 1, not 95. And so I don't even think about that reason, but I do it anyway. Do you, you guys following me? You getting it? You're with me, right? We make a lot of decisions every day. And the question is, on what standard are you making your choices and decisions? You're making them according to what it is you believe is true and what you place, where you place your trust. So it's really important for us to put some thought and consideration into these subjects before we act. And in that scripture, I saw two things popped out to me. And, and I just lived in this the, the whole week, even the message last night and today. I'm just living in this scripture. And there are two teachers. First of all, those that will tell you what you want to hear. You see, you might listen to one news outlet and say, well, I don't agree with that. And so you'll switch to the other one and say, oh, now that's the truth. <laughs> it's funny because Buddy and I had this, this thing and he said, well, I heard it on Fox News. <laughs> and I'm saying, okay. It's kind of like he's saying, well, it must be true. Because, and now he's not, he, he watches all of them. He, he doesn't buy into it that big. But uh, because in our home, we've, we've learned how to uh, uh, look through things. So the first one is, that's what we do. We'll go, if we don't like what somebody says, we'll go to somebody else and we'll continue to find somebody until they tell us what we want to hear. The second teacher, the Bible. It says it in that scripture. It says people will go to find people who will just tell them what they want to hear and then there is the other teacher that's the Bible. The first teacher is kind of the voice of pop culture. When it comes to sexuality, it says that sexuality is designed for you. You're the one that needs to be happy. You're the one that needs to feel good. It all revolves around the individual. If it feels good, do it. You can make up your own definitions, whatever you want your sexuality to be. You can decide what that is. If you're attracted to someone, go for it. If you're attracted to someone, just go for it. It means that love has no boundaries, and if you find somebody to love, it really doesn't matter how you express that love just as long as you're happy. 
Now, this might sound foreign to you, but I hear it all the time. When I'm, when I'm talking with people, people say, I, I just need to find what makes me happy. And that's kind of the definition of, of the, the definition of sexuality out there. It's the individual holds the authority to decide how I'm going to do it. Got it? The second teacher says this. It says that sexuality is sacred, that it was created by God, and that it's good. It's a gift from God, and he has communicated how it is best to be used because he was the originator and the designer of it, and it's written in his word, and it's learned through his son, Jesus. So the Bible and Jesus are the way that he communicates how he would want us to think about it. He is the ultimate authority, and that's one of the reasons why people get so hung up with it. It's so difficult to say, I need to be under the authority of God versus I want to do it my way. I want to be in control. I want to do it my way. And so in the Bible, it teaches that I need to conform to him instead of him blessing what I've decided. You guys still with me? All right. So don't be fooled. Every single one of us are following one of those two teachers. Every single one of us have put some things together in our mind that we think is true and we're trusting and we're believing it. And if I ask you, which I love to have these conversations and I'm hoping in our small group today we're gonna have these conversations. Uh, if I ask you, you would probably be able to tell me, well, here's what I believe. Here's how I see it. But don't be fooled. It's really important. You see, none of us have this figured out. This is one of the toughest areas that lends itself to all kinds of ideas and thoughts. And most of us have made sexual mistakes, which makes us very vulnerable to misguided ideas. And so we have to caution ourselves and we need to step back and we need to evaluate. But today, all of us can choose which teacher we're going to follow. We get to choose that. And what I say is choose one and go for it with all the gusto that you have. You see, a recent study said that 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will have affairs by age 40. Now, what that says to me is that there are a lot of people out there living by the first teacher. A lot of people. And uh, what that means is that those people are using sexuality for their own personal gain. They want to feel good, want to feel loved and accepted, and so will cross a boundary or cross a line or, or do something that will give that immediate thrill. It's just happening everywhere. But you can take it to the bank. Anytime we use something that it was not designed for, there will be serious consequences. Watch this. What? Ah. Uh -huh.
Okay, confess, how many people have used a knife or a screwdriver? <laughs> I know, that one, when he pulled it out, that sounded really serious. I don't think I'd use that one. But I'd probably use one, which says to us, we, we misuse things sometimes that were designed for something else. And every time we do that, we set ourselves up for serious consequences. God's original design for sexuality, listen very carefully. God's original design for sexuality was not to fulfill our need to feel loved and accepted. So many people use the sexual relationship for love. It is not love. It is one part of a gift that God has given, and we'll talk more about that later. It's one part of the goodness of being human. God loved us so much that he gave us this sacred gift of sexuality, and he designed it to be used in a particular way. That's what the second teacher says, and the second teacher warns this. It says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. In other words, they took uh, and said, this uh, sexuality is meant for me. It is meant to fulfill me. It is meant to, to uh, help me to feel loved and accepted and, and warm. And, um, and, and the, the teacher warns this and says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things. In other words, they worshiped sexuality and the individual and what it can do for me rather than the creator. You see the two teachers popping out there? One teacher tells me that I can do whatever I want, feel good. The other teacher says, there's a creator here that designed this. And because that happened, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. We have to be really careful which road we're traveling down. You see, the first teacher claims sexuality is yours. Use it any way you want and feel. Define it your way. Expect another person to be something in your life that only God can be. The second teacher makes this claim. Says that God created sexuality. It is sacred. It is good. It is a gift that God has given as an expression of his human creation. He made his human creation, he made us in his likeness. And here in Genesis, it started clear back then. So God created mankind in his own image, male and female, he created them. God saw all that he'd made and he said, this is good. And here's the kicker. This is how it was before the fall. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, once the fall happened with Adam and Eve, once they sinned, it just corrupted us forevermore. And that's why today we're having this conversation so that we can say, who am I gonna follow? Who am I gonna choose? We're putting some thought and consideration into this subject. Here are a couple of points I want you to ponder and have discussions about, and I think it's really fascinating. First of all, it is possible to live a productive, pure life as a single person or as a married person. 
You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm just not complete because I don't have that person in my life. Or I'm looking forward to the day when I can be married. We have to look at what we're saying in that. Because God says that we do not have to be married to be a whole person. When we follow his design, when we look at how he created this, and when we follow what he's asked us to follow, we can be a whole fulfilled person whether we're married or whether we're single. In fact, it's better to be that person and then go into marriage than it is to think that marriage is going to get that for you. Boy, is that the big mistake we make. Because often we want other people, we want that spouse to be our God. We want them to make us feel loved and accepted. And we're asking them to be God in our life. And that is so unfair. And that's where, that's where relationships go haywire. Because another person can never give us a sense of being loved and accepted. Only God can do that. But when we look to another person, we're following a path that's going to take us down to destruction. When we follow God, we're saying, God, you are my creator and you are the only one that will love me with unconditional love and will accept me with unconditional acceptance. Another human being will never be able to do that. And when two people that are doing that come together, wow, it's how God designed it. Here's another thought. Masculinity and femininity can be properly and fully expressed. Now, this one can have a lot of conversation. Can be fully expressed apart from sexual activity. Now, what that means is that boys can play with dolls and girls can go hunting out and kill deer. And that does not define their sexuality. You know, a lot of people today in the culture are saying, well, this, uh, he likes to play with with dolls, or she likes to do things that boys, they, that must be defining their sexuality. No, no, no. That girl just likes to go hunting. That boy just likes to play with dolls. That has nothing to do with their sexuality. I remember I wasn't supposed to wear jeans. I wasn't supposed to wear pants. It didn't make sense to me, but I went back and I studied why they were telling me that, and it was way back in Deuteronomy where they said women are not supposed to wear pants because they weren't supposed to be serving in the military back in that day because all of that, what, whatever. But I'm wearing pants today, and my ancestors would say, that is so wrong because only men are supposed to wear pants. So then when a boy comes out and he wants to wear a skirt, in Scotland they wear, they wear kilts all the time. That has nothing to do with sexuality, okay? Don't get afraid when you see your little children that want to do things that are traditionally. Masculinity and femininity are defined over the course of the developmental process of the sexual development that begins at birth and their brains, our, our sexual brains are fully developed at 26. So we are being conformed to the environments and the people that are training us. Are you guys with me? <laughs> Somebody say, amen. <laughs> this is stuff that we need to be able to think through, right? This is good stuff. Okay, that one can, we'll definitely talk about that in our small group today. You can have those conversations. But the truth, 
will set us free. And the truth will put us on a path that will lead us exactly where we want to end up, the truth. But it's our responsibility to decide, are we believing the truth? You see, God reserves sexual activity for, the marital, expre for marital expression between a man and a woman union because he had a purpose for it. And the purpose was that when a man and woman come together and they vow to each other to be faithful for life, they vow to God to be faithful to him and to fa be faithful to one another, now you have the security to have this celebration of eros love. And when it is expressed the way that God originally designed it, which none of us get right, <laughs> we don't. That's why we need to do this and admit, you know, this is tough. When, when, we ex when it is expressed the way that God designed, it is a celebration. And that's what God wants, it's, wants it to be. And you see, those two come together for a lifetime of faithfulness, and it's called marriage. And marriage is the most sacred relationship that any human can have on earth. Don't have to have it to be whole and complete, but it's God's gift that's sacred. And marriage is the most sacred relationship anybody can enter. You see, that's why we need to put some thought into it before we ever do it, which most of us don't. You see, because marriage is supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. It's supposed to reflect the Trinity, three different parts that are all one, a man, a woman, the Holy Spirit. It's the only way that a marriage will last for a lifetime. That's why they're not lasting so much because we don't have the proper perspective of God's original design. And it's why careful thoughts, why we do premarital counseling and we push those couples up against the wall and we say, here's the deal. This is what you're going to have to look at. And of course, you can't know everything before you get into marriage. It's kind of like a secret fraternity. You get into it and you find all kinds of things that you didn't know you were going to have to deal with. But you made a vow to God. And you made a vow to that person that you would be faithful and that you would do all you could do to become a whole person. That person, your spouse, is not responsible for you. We get it all. You see, uh, in English, see, really, all, this is all about love. Understanding God's love versus a counterfeit love that the world is feeding us. And in English, we only have one word for love. What is it? Love. <laughs> in the Greek, we have four words. The first one is agape love. Now, that's God's love. That's the love that we are to strive for, that we can only have as we allow God to live in us and in our homes and in our workplaces. Agape love is loving everyone. It's not picking out a particular race or a particular gender or a particular lifestyle. It's saying, God, I want you to love through me and I want to love all people. That's godly love. That's the first love. The second love is philia. That comes from 
Philadelphia comes from that. It's a brotherly love. It's a friendship. And I think in our relationships, you know, Buddy said to me last night, he said, uh, he heard me say this, and he said, you know, I've been thinking about that friendship love. And we've had conversations since last night till today about friendship love in a marriage and what that means, what my definition has been of that, what his definition have been, has been of that. We've been married 43 years, and we learned some new things about each other last night. Philia love. The third one is storge love. And that's the uh, parental protective love that all of us need to have, that I'm going to do whatever I can to protect you, not to hang on to you, but to protect you. And I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt you. We, we, we're parents, you know, we're created to be parents in that context of marriage. We're talking about marriage here in the four loves. And the, and the last one is eros. And, of course, we all know what that is. That is the romantic love. That is the sexual love. That's the, the expression of two bodies becoming one. Marriage is the only relationship that all four loves are woven together and that we are to learn to, to understand and to express. That's what love is. Not just one little sliver. And that's what the world is telling us. You take agape love out of the relationship and Eris goes haywire. You take one of those pieces out of the marital relationship and it gets really, really lopsided. So everybody that's married here or contemplating marriage, think about these. Talk about this with each other. Which one are we really heavy on and which one are we lacking in our relationship? And I guarantee you, you'll begin to learn to know some new things about each other that are really important to weave that marriage. Marriage is sacred. Sexuality is a sacred gift from God. It was not designed to be all love for you. You see, it gets lopsided without all four. Now here's the other one, and we're getting more intense here. Sexuality has moral boundaries. And do you know why God places those moral boundaries? For our protection, for children's protection. Not to take away our fun, not to be a killjoy, in our life, but because he loves us so much. There is no parent that has ever been here this morning that said to your child, you just go for it. You just do whatever you want. You just climb up there. You just run away. You just, no. The loving, perfect parent says, I love you so much that I'm going to place these restrictions on you so that you will thrive. And that you will learn to become strong. And that you will learn to become vulnerable and not push that vulnerable, vulnerability away, but learn how to do vulnerability and not be led down the wrong path. Sexuality, yeah, and the world does not like this, but sexuality has moral boundaries. And this is where it gets really intense. Because God wants us to have a joy-filled life. And the only way that the joy-filled life will come will be living within that. You know when you go bowling and the little kids bowl and they got those little bumpers there, you know? That helps them make a strike. That's what these are. 
They're bumpers for our protection to give us a joy-filled life. And the, and the second teacher says that those boundaries distinguish good expressions of sexuality from destructive. You see, we need to give some thought to this because there are some things that we're doing that are leading us to be destroyed. I spoke with a little 13-year-old girl last night, and she said, I really, I really didn't compute what you were saying. And we had about a 45-minute conversation about what she's dealing with, about what she's struggling with, about what she doesn't understand. I love that conversation. And when I left here, I could have cried all night long because of the struggles that this young child is having to deal with because it's gotten so mixed up and so confused because she hasn't had the protective covering of parents teaching her or modeling it. Well, so you see, there, there are these two teachers. One is do it however you want to do it, which leads to overindulgence. Anytime I'm living to get what I want will lead to overindulgence, and it'll lead to a hunger that will never get satisfied, and you'll always want more, and you'll always want more, and you'll always want more. You see, that's overindulgence. The first teacher says there's no boundaries. But you see, the lack of boundaries will lead us to where we really don't want to end up. When we live like any way that we want, well, we're going to illustrate this. Okay, uh, my friend Tyler's going to come out here with a tray of Krispy Kreme donuts. And I'm wondering if there would be someone that would come up here as I had someone last night. What a brave soul. And I really kind of, uh, anyway, I won't tell you about that. Uh, is there anyone that would come up here and show us how many Krispy Kreme donuts you can eat? No, you, no, no. <laughs> you sold <laughs> is there anybody anybody come on anybody <laughs> Kelly <laughs> you think you can do it <laughs> I mean these are Krispy Kreme donuts y'all who you can eat as you can eat as many as you want and it's okay any, Bobby, I, I just had a feeling about, I mean, Kelly, if you. If you go to the children's ministry, oh, the, three years old. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll do it. Yeah, you wouldn't have to beg people at all. wonder why that is. Do you think that you've learned what those Krispy Kreme donuts will do to you if you eat multiple Krispy? How many people would say you can only eat one unless you go and the light's on out at Krispy Kreme? I can eat two to three. Yeah, but you know your limit, don't you? You know your limit. Isn't that how it's supposed to be in our sexuality? You know the line. You know the line, and you know when you cross that line, you're crossing into territory that's going to be harmful for you. Why can we do that with Krispy Kreme donuts but not do it in the area of sexuality? Because I want what I want, and I've got this, this human urge, and that needs to be fulfilled, and I'm attracted there, and so I'm going to go for You guys, are you following me? Okay, who's going to be my person? Kelly, you going to do it? All right, all right. Um, 
this was really interesting last night. You know, Jody was in the wings, and she said, if you can't get anybody, I'll do it. So she may be doing it. Uh, so Tyler is here. Don't you enjoy him playing my bass this week? <laughs> it's the first time he's ever played. It's pretty awesome. Ooh, these look good. Turn those around. What's the story? What do we got to do here? Two at a time, three, what? You can do it however you want, Kelly. Right. There so are no like boundaries. <laughs> there are no, I want you to do it however you want. Show us how you do it. Well, water over there. Water? I don't need water. Oh, oh he's hardcore. Okay, now, while he's eating those, I didn't realize, oh, this is your job. While he's eating those, I want to contrast overindulgence with obedience, okay? Because that's really what we're talking about here. <laughs> You're going to love this, aren't you? <laughs> Ooh, I got, mm. So, Kelly, if you were actually eating donuts, like if you go out to the table, how many would you eat that you know are, it's, it's okay for you Believe to not, eat? I don't eat any donuts because I've learned to stay away from them. <laughs> for what reason? For this reason right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out with pizza and other stuff, too. <laughs> we do that with Krispy Kreme donuts, don't we? But we don't know how to talk about that with sexuality. We need to be able to know how to talk about it. We need to know ourselves. We need to know what that line is. We need to know why it's not okay to eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, right? It's all right for him right now. But what... Can't you go any faster? I could. Okay. <laughs> go as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, he's up here just kind of like, I'm listening to this message and I'm getting it and I realize that I'm better at Krispy Kreme donuts than I am at actually my relationships. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. This is a lot easier. But I'm with him there. I'm with him there. Relationships are the hardest thing that we will ever do. Getting this thing right is the hardest thing we would. Do you guys agree with me? Yes. Relations, it's not just for Kelly. It's for all of us. Buddy and I have been married 43 years, and we're still trying to, to restore what we messed up by not putting thought and consideration before we got married. Or even understanding how to bring a man and a woman together and, and, and with God as the Holy Spirit to really have that kind of celebration. I've spoken with too many couples, too many individuals to know that most of us don't get this right. And most of us need a power beyond ourselves. Not one that's just feeding our bodies. <laughs> how many have you done? Six, oh, five. He said six. You said six, five. Okay, so what we're contrasting here is overindulgence, doing anything I want to do, which he's doing this because he was asked, so we have to stretch this a little bit. But uh, the other is obedience. Now, what does obedience mean? If God asks us, this is going to be interesting to talk about with Kelly back here. If God asks us to obey him, yeah, Brad, Brad Farley did it last night, and he said, he said, everybody around me is going to suffer for this. 
And he said last night, yeah, it was rough. He doesn't eat. He, I can't remember how many he ate. Oh, he ate four. He ate four. I mean, I thought a man could like down a, a dozen with no problem at all. <laughs> I think Kelly's even having problem. A man can. <laughs> Tyler could, right? <laughs> yeah, but Kelly, you're the man up here doing it. None of these are. That's right. Oh, we're having fun with this, aren't we? We're contrasting doing it any way you want to versus the boundaries of obedience. When God asks you to obey, you're going to suffer. Do you realize that? You won't get the immediate hit of feel good. That's what doing it your way does. When you do it our way, when we follow a human urge, it only is to feel good in the moment. Because later, he's not going to feel good. He's not going to feel good. Have you ever done something? You knew it was wrong. And later, you paid consequences? I can tell you there are some consequences I'm still dealing with today as a result of my stupidity back in my college days. Now here's what I love. Even when you mess up, you have a support system around you. It's like, go ahead, do it. <laughs> how, how are you doing? Oh, man, you've only got two left. I want you to get this in your head. We are contrasting a life that does anything you want versus a life of obedience with moral boundaries. You got that? That's really important. Can we get it, Kelly? <laughs> oh, now you have people around you that are looking at this person and saying, Please stop. Please stop. Now, I wonder if, if, if you'll take this out on Kate. He'll have such a sugar rush that he'll start being mean to everyone around him. I'm a, I'm a happy drunk. <laughs> You're calling it. I'm calling it. You're calling it? Well, now, last night when Brad called it, I made him eat one more. But then I felt so uh, sadistic. Yeah, there's a whole nother dozen. Do you see the power of a support system? He's debating. He's debating. Do I do it? One dollar, Bob. 
Thank you. Not only that, Kelly makes a big mess. It is. <laughs> I think that, over, that illustrates how we do. We do that, don't we? Rich was telling me last night they hadn't been out to dinner for a long, long time, and he said he, said he had a 16-ounce ribeye or prime rib or whatever it was, and he said he ate 14 ounces of it, and there were two ounces left, and he said, should I or shouldn't I? Should? He said, and I did. I ate it. And it tasted good in his mouth, didn't it, for a short while. But the consequences and what happens afterward, it's why it's, I told that little girl last night, I took her hand and I said, you have your future in your hand. You can choose to do whatever you want. God gives us free will. We can choose to do whatever we want in our secret places, sometimes nobody will ever find out. But we violated those boundaries. And every time we violate those boundaries, you can take it to the bank. Someone will have to pay for that. We're contrasting doing it our way, following our own urges. If I'm attracted to that person, well, I might as well go for it versus obedience. Now, last week, a lot of you came forward and you said, James, yes, I want to obey God. But do you also realize what you were saying? Yes, God, I realize that I'm going to have to pay. I'm going to have to suffer a little bit because there are going to be things that I want that I know are not good for me. And I'm going to have to resist those things. And when I resist those things, it hurts. When I want something so bad and I tell myself I can't have it, it hurts. And you'll be brought to the point where you'll say, why am I trying to obey anyway? I was brought to that point this week. I was doing some self-inventory and I'm saying, you know what, I look at my life and I've chosen a life of obedience and it seems like the suffering that comes from that, I'm just kind of tired of it. And I had to go back to, why have I chosen this life to obey? Why have I chosen to suffer in the immediate? And the Lord led me to this scripture in Hebrews, and it said, but even though Jesus was God's son, he had to learn from experience what it was like to obey when obeying meant suffering. So if you choose to follow the second teacher, do you also realize that what he's trying to do is chip away at everything in our life that does not look like him? And when he chips away at that, it's going to hurt us. And I had to go back and I had to remember, why have I chosen this life? Because I love God. Because I want my life to give him glory. 
and because I don't want to bring harm to the people that I love. And I sensed the Holy Spirit doing something in me and pruning me and taking me to just about a deeper level. And I came out of that and I'm able to share that with you only because I went there. I took some time to put some thought and consideration to it. I experienced the suffering and I experienced the Holy Spirit. And he strengthened me. And so the next time that I get there, I'm going to have that foundation of truth to refer back to. Do you see that each time that you do that and that you place your trust in him, that he does something in you that nobody or nothing else can do? And here it is. In Galatians, it says, the fruit of the spirit. In other words, you know what fruit on a tree is, right? You plant a tree, you prune that tree so it'll be healthy, and it, prom it produces some lush fruit. Same thing happens in us. Your children are watching. Are we producing that kind of fruit? You're watching me. I'm being vulnerable to you to say this week I was brought right to the edge of questioning, why have I chosen this life? And I'm coming back to tell you I've chosen this life because I love God. I want my life to be glory to him. I don't understand how he does it, but here's what I experienced this week. As I went to that place and I allowed myself to suffer and not give in to saying, the heck with it all, he strengthened me and he began to produce fruit and he produces the, the fruit of self-control. You will never have enough willpower when that urge comes to hold yourself back forever. It's going to take a power stronger than you. And he promises that that fruit will be produced against such things there is no law. There, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh in those moments when you want to follow your urge with the passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the second teacher which brings us back to the beginning of this message. There is nothing more precious. There is nothing more freeing than the truth. Are you being guided into the truth? Because your beliefs, your choices, your decisions are the starting point. And you get to choose. And I get to choose. Which teacher are you going to follow? You see, the Bible says, and it promises, when we know the truth, that's what's going to set us free. But it's not a cakewalk. Just talking with someone this morning that I said, if you're going to get out of this hole, it's going to take a lot on your part to do the tough stuff. Somebody said that Christians are wimps, you try living that life. You see, the first teacher tells us whatever we want to hear. The second one painfully prunes us into looking more like Jesus. Two contrasting stories and we'll close. I was speaking with a woman. She's in a same-sex relationship. Beautiful woman. I loved my conversation with her. She was married for 30 years to a man 
and it drove her to a mental institution. <laughs> that can happen, right? <laughs> I mean, marriage takes you to the line, right? You guys are about to enter into it, <laughs> and you know what you're choosing. You've done a lot of work. Um, and she said, my pastor came to visit me while I was there, and she said, he told me that it's okay. What, whatever, whatever uh, you know, whatever you felt like you needed to do, do it. And she said, that was just what I wanted to hear. And so she entered into a relationship with another woman, and it was funny because she said, I might have thought it was hard living with a man, but it's hard living with a woman too. <laughs> I said, it didn't fix it for you, did it? And I said, you really just listened to what your pastor said and bought into that? And believe that? And she said, yeah, yeah, I want you to tell me what, what you believe. And I said, that won't matter. Because it's not for another human being to tell you the truth. It's for me to say to you, get in God's word. Take those scriptures. Pray. Ponder. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It's not for me to tell you what to do. That would be so disrespectful. And so I encouraged her to get in the Bible and learn what Jesus, what God says, what the second teacher says about sexuality and begin to pray and begin to evaluate, put, give some thought and consideration to it and then make some decisions and choices about your life. And you know what? I'll walk through this with you. I'll be here. I'd love to have more conversations with you because I love talking about this stuff. See, she believed what a person told her the truth was. Very dangerous, even if it was a pastor. Now, I have this other friend that I just met with two weeks ago. I meet with her on a regular basis, kind of mentor her. And uh, she was dating a guy. And months ago, she told me, I'm dating this guy, found a relationship, and she said, I really love it. He's an attorney. We have our careers, kind of, we really relate to each other. Um, we're in Northern Virginia, and we go out on dates, and I really love that, and I'm trying to be low-key with it. And so I was really happy for her. I met with her last week, and I said, so how's the relationship going? And she said, oh, man, I had to break it off. And I said, why? And she said, some red flags started coming up, and I'm not going to tell you what those are except for the third one. The third one was he wanted to enter into a physical relationship. And she said, oh, man, it, it just hurts my heart, but that would violate my boundaries that I've set for myself about what God would have me to live in my sexuality and in a relationship and she said, I can't tell you how hard. I said, I'm doing a message on sexuality this week. Can I share this with you? She said, I would love for this to help people. She didn't even realize how powerful this was. But I'm telling you how powerful it was for her to deny herself of a relationship that she really wanted because she had a higher calling to fulfill the faithfulness that she had made a vow to God. And she's a single person. She's living a whole life. I just saw God radiate in her face. And she said, I'm lonely sometimes, but in those moments, I remember what I've chosen to live my life, and I can't compromise that. 
She chose the second teacher, and it cost her. Not many people want to do that. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he has called us to that. You see, sexuality and marriage are sacred gifts designed by a creator that has a specific way for us to experience it. I've tried to load you with good information today, with options, and basically I'm saying to you, you can do whatever you choose. And you know what? I love those two women. I love them in an agape way. I don't judge them for the choices that they've made because I'll put my arm around both of them and say, let's just walk through life together. I'm called to love people, not to judge them. And when we can know what we believe, where we're placing our trust, we won't be judgmental. We'll know where we stand, we'll be living that out, and we won't be pointing the finger at anyone else. If we could get that, there's a pamphlet out there when we leave, and it's one of the best things that I've found. I'm trying to put it in the hands of people because it basically lines out what God's design for sexuality is. It's called Biblical Sexuality. You can pick up one of those pamphlets, and um, it's out at the table where the wristbands are. But maybe today you're here and you've been broken. Maybe you've made some misguided choices. We all have regarding our sexuality. It's the one thing that the enemy loves to use on us because we're so weak. We're so weak in that area. We've all made mistakes. I know I did. And the consequences are no joke, y'all. The consequences are no joke. But we can start today. And we can choose which teacher we're going to follow. There is so much restoration and there is so much forgiveness that God wants to give. I'm so thankful for the give forgiveness. It doesn't mean it takes away consequences, but my slate is clean and I'm so thankful that he's done that. Maybe today you want to solidify your commitment to say, I'm a person that's going to choose to obey God even after this message that says it's going to bring me suffering. I still want to obey God. And so whatever you need to do with this message today, because I know that it, the word of God strikes in hearts, those hearts that are open and receptive to his word. And whatever you need to do today between you and him, do it. Let's stand together and let's worship during this time of reflection. You can do it right there in your seat. Or you cannot give a rip what anyone else thinks about you and you can come forward and say, I'm solidifying who I'm choosing to follow. Let's worship. See you. 
give you clarity. Oh, I can see you now. The truth gives clarity no matter how ugly the truth is. God wants that from us. When we hide it, it destroys. But we, we cannot give a rip what anybody else thinks and we can go to him first and we'd say, God, I need you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just sense, and I know we've gone a long time, but this subject we could talk about forever and ever and ever. But let's just take this moment, this morning in your life, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never met the second teacher, if you've never studied the Bible and seen his word, you can accept him into your life right now. You can make today, that day where you say, I'm going to, be guided into the truth. I want the word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
I'm sorry, Jesus, for the life that I've chosen. I've gone my own way. I need your power in my life. Is there anyone here like that today? Just lift up your hand. Nobody's looking around. Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. See, this is real because this is hardcore, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is hardcore. So for each one of you that raised your hand, I'd encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus before, go out to the table and get a wristband and let a pastor explain to you what this means today. And our, is there anyone else, no one's looking around, and please, even in the booth, don't look around, it's only going to be me. If there's something that you're struggling with that you want to go to the second teacher with, something about sexuality or anything else in your life, would you just raise your hand quickly? And I'm going to pray for, thank you, thank you all over this room. Heavenly Father, your presence, your power is here with us right now. Your word is like a double-edged sword. It pierces our heart with the truth, yet it can be so painful sometimes. But Father, you want us just as we are. There are so many people in this room right now, maybe online, that are seeing clearly where they were where they are, and where you want them to be. And so, Father, I just pray for each person that raised their hand, for those that accepted Jesus, for those, Lord, that are struggling. God, I just pray that you will give them a sense of your presence right now. There is such an incredible support system here in your body of Christ. We saw that even with Kelly and the donut eating. We can mess up, but we can still have people around us that will walk through life together with us. Let us be that people. Father, we love you. We praise you. Everything that's happened here today is for your glory. Thank you, God, for your word, for your son, Jesus. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I would encourage you to get into the word, pick up a pamphlet. The pamphlet is not the gold nugget. The scriptures in the pamphlet, you've got to go to those. Love you guys. See you next time.